Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste. Hi, Punk Frockers. I just wanted to pop on before the show to say a huge apology to the Australian listeners. I calculated the time zones incorrectly and thought that noon... New York time, was 8 a.m. in Sydney. Instead, it was 2 a.m. in Sydney, and several of our listeners woke up that morning to find they had already missed the Punk Frockers prom. I am very, very sorry for this. In the future, I will just be giving the time of our live events in New York time. It's very easy to Google New York time to whatever time zone you're in so that you can find the correct time and I won't mess us up again. Very, very sorry about that. And to make up for it, we're hoping it makes up for it, Jenny and I are going to have our Instagram live for the PF Glam Prizes held at New York time, 10 p.m. Friday night. So I did check Google on this, I promise. And that is 10 a.m. in Western Australia and noon on Saturday in Sydney. So hopefully several of our Australian listeners will be able to make that time and catch us on the live. And if not, we hope that in another event you'll be able to catch us. Again, we're very sorry. How are you doing, Jenny? Oh, man. Oh, man. Beverly, I am so tired. Oh, no. What has happened to me? (laughs) You're supposed to be the Energizer Bunny. I know. And I, I'm not clear on what's happened, but it's been, I, I have been so tired. I have yawned so much. I've yawned more in the last week than I have yawned in years put together. It's very bad. Maybe you (laughs) ought to take Florence's advice from last time and take a nap. (laughs) I mean, we are, well, I'm not going to take one this weekend. I was about to say I'm going, I'm going out of town. So maybe I can take a nap, but I cannot. I'm taking my granddaughter out of town, which is not a nap oriented event. So, (laughs) but I am taking a mental break and maybe that will be some assistance. I think I've got a lot of, um, mental energy I'm expending in different ways. And it's, it's just left me flat, which is unfortunate. Do you think think part of it is, um, changes that are happening with the pandemic? Oh, definitely. Cause there, for me, there's a lot of anxiety around the changes. I am fully vaccinated. So I'm one of the people who is felt to be pretty protected already without a mask. And unlikely to harm others by going out without a mask. But I engaged in a conversation uh, at a Joanne with a, with a worker who said, oh, they're still making us wear masks, but I don't think they will be next week. And I'm not vaccinated, but I'm excited to go without my mask. And I said, oh, wow. And she goes, yeah, I think there's going to be a spike in COVID after the mask mandate is over. And I thought, I'm, I'm not sure you understand the link between those two statements, <laughs> potentially. And so it was even standing and speaking with this person with the mask on was a little anxiety inducing because I'm, I'm not accustomed to it. I will also say... I do not miss being told to smile. 
And you know, a friend of mine, a friend of mine <laughs> mentioned that too. She, yeah, she put that on her Instagram. I will say though, that for me, let's just take away the fear of, I, I'm actually not afraid of getting COVID. And there's a couple re- at this point, And the couple reason is I'm fully vaccinated and I had COVID. So I'm kind of double vaccinated by, by natural immunity and chemical immunity. Right. But so I'm not afraid that I'm going to get that. But aside from that, I've been living, we've all been living in this kind of world that is this sheltered, quiet, slow Mm -hmm. world. And it's at one sense kind of exciting to go out and do things. But another sense, it's like, I just kind of want to go back in my house. I don't know. I'm not ready. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I am. And some of it is definitely hesitation over illness. I have noticed I haven't had colds this year. Yeah. I didn't get the flu this year. Mm-hmm. And I attribute that rightly or wrongly to a heavily masked population plus homebound population. Right. So that's been a great benefit. Um, I definitely don't miss the smile thing. I'm, I don't have resting bitch face, which is a terrible phrase and I understand it, but it's a phrase. It's the way people describe faces often mm-hmm. women when we're not smiling and turned on but i but i don't smile just naturally often it's it's not my natural state of my face and and it is frustrating to be told to smile or if you'll need smile you'd be so pretty or whatever the other commentary is i don't get that so much now yeah i do miss lipstick though <laughs> ah yeah i don't wear lipstick so i haven't noticed that <laughs> Well, anyways, have you been sewing? Well, I may have mentioned the part where I'm tired, but I've also been in a slump. So me made May last year was super energizing for me because I hadn't, I hadn't yet committed to wearing only me made clothing and May was the turning point for me. I just went from probably two thirds of my days I was in stuff I made and the other third, I was still in things I'd bought or inherited or whatever that I'd gotten through some other method. And so there was a challenge and there was a, a need to sew more things up so I could find the right things and so on. But this year I just always wear my own clothing that I make and I love it. And I love the variety of it. I really love getting a new outfit three or four times a week minimum, but as I'm looking at Me Made May, I'm just weighed down by how little of what I see is drafted for me, how little of it I'm able to actually immediately turn into an order for a pattern, some fabric, and then an outfit. And it's actually been tiring this year, weirdly. It's mm-hmm. one of those things where I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling inspired so much as I'm feeling unseen. And part of that is probably that I've become aware that it's reasonable for me to expect there to be patterns drafted to me. I think it's a real shame because I think the point of it is for us to feel more connected. Right. And yeah. th- that's, that's a real shame. I'm sorry. But you, you know, it's, it, it is, and I'm not, I'm definitely not the only one I know today, May 20th, when we're recording this, uh, Jess from fat Bob and girl mentioned the same thing um, in her Instagram grid that, uh, she was not feeling um, the excitement that she expected to from Me Made May because of so many times where you spot something that looks great and then you think, oh, I bet I could. Oh, no, no, actually, I can't. Oh, I bet I. Oh, no, I suppose I can't. And and it can be um, it can be hard. And I think that really 
is is part of the the struggle with being a fat sewist. And there are definitely other groups of sewists who feel the same way as they go out and look for what they what they want to be able to make or see or do. Um, but enough of my downer. I've been working on uh, test sews again for Chriswood's uh, Chriswood sews and can't share anything at all about them except that they are flipping adorable. And that is all I'm going to wear this summer besides bikinis and um, uh, slim fitting Ashley Tilton dresses. So there's I got some stuff going on there. Um, and I had another designer that I absolutely love ask me if I do uh, a test sew on a pattern expansion that's coming. So nice. that was pretty exciting. That's um, great. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's nice. At least seeing some of the size expansion and then seeing what Chris Wood sews is doing to make sure that fatter models feel included is yeah. good. That's awesome. What are you doing? Well, I just, I mean, we've been recording a lot lately, so, you know, I can't quite keep up with the, you know, too many things, but I did finish my Fiber Mood Roseanne top. I think that's how you say it, Roseanne, don't you think? I say it rosin, so that's so oh. funny. <laughs> oh. I have no idea, but I pronounce it rosin, so that's, oh. I wonder. It's it's <laughs> difficult because it is a, for, a foreign name, right? So mm-hmm. it's a I think a Dutch company. Anyway, um, straight R O Z A N, and it's one of the most beautiful tops I've ever made. I I love it, and I love the fabric. So first of all, I used a Robert Kaufman cotton lawn. And it's very busy pattern, but very bright and colorful. And just, I love it so much. Now, I made a bunch of mistakes on this thing. <laughs> and one of the mistakes was that I, at near the end, like when you were, when I was putting on the ruffles in the front, I caught part of it in my serger and I caught it where the knife is. And it made, it made like one of those V-shaped cuts and I was so ticked off. I was so mad. And I'm like, what am I going to do? But luckily that pattern is so busy. And I found a piece, another part of extra fabric that would fit on there and cover it up. And so I just sort of, um, applicated on sort of, you know, like folded and put it on and you really can't see it. I don't think, um, I posted on Instagram and I don't think you can see it. So that fabric, how many other things are in your wardrobe that are that kind of busy? Not that many, um, <laughs> but I do wear jeans to work. So it goes well with jeans. It is uh, fabulous. It is, it, I would wear that all day long in a wide variety of dresses and overalls, but it does not immediately for me scream. I bet Beverly would love this. Yeah, but it is the colors <laughs> that I love. Like if you saw my living room, you might maybe you'd think, oh, she'd like that in a pillow. <laughs> but, um, but I do love it. It it just has the neatest style lines on it, and I'm just really all over fiber mood right now. I agree. I'm I'm planning to make that one in a black double gauze with pale pastel stripes on it the fabric arrived today and so that's that's on my list of things to do if i if i don't have enough and i'm estimating cuz i will not be making a top i'll be making oh, a dress, dress. Mm-hmm. if i do not have enough i also have a solid black double gauze that i could use 
to like flesh it out, right? So I could do color blocking and I may test it out first in just a completely alternative fabric just to to make sure of my yardages before I cut into my double gauze. It's a great blouse. And as I recall, I I think the fabulous Miss Florence is planning to uh, also join us in making Mm -hmm. this top. So I promised you. I believe she did. And perhaps by the time this is released, we will have photo evidence of that. We can insert in the show notes. That'd be great. That'd be great. I've already got my, my second one cut out. I'm making in a, in a much more on brand fabric, which is a Royal blue linen rayon blend. (laughs) Yeah. I was considering making it out of the washer linen, the Brussels washer linen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was considering doing that in uh, in a blue as well because I thought it it might be a nice sort of sedate chambray esque looking mm-hmm. sort of a thing. Um, but I probably ought to get through my first one. Maybe I make the first one out of the plain color. I don't know. I'm really glad that I made mine out of a busy one because I would have had to do some kind of visible mend on this serger area. Yeah, but the visible mend would have been very on brand as well. Um, that I still think there's something exciting about that idea. Just that, that visible, visible lines. I guess I would like to wear it first before I have to mend it. I can see the appeal in that. I can understand (laughs) we're having the one unblemished wear, which is sometimes all I get out of a dress. It's it's definitely appealing. (laughs) No, it's absolutely gorgeous. You, you did a, did a great job on it. Yeah, I I love it. I can't wait to see how your double gauze comes out. Now, are you just going to go like when you do the so the pattern piece in the front is kind of a oh shoot, I don't trapezoid, I guess. So will you take that just straight down or will you or will you angle out with it? I think I want to angle out with it and do the <laughs> the very not me matching of the stripes at the front center it is heavily well i don't know if it's heavily gathered but it it uses quite a bit of fabric for on there so i bet i mean i don't i was trying to figure out if i should take it just straight down or if i should go kind of like angle yeah and i don't know the answer yet until i get the pieces cut out because i haven't cut mine out i just have them here but haven't cut them and so i'll experiment we'll we'll find out the one thing I did need to do is I, I do think my shoulders are a little different than their block because all the fiber mood things I have, the shoulders fit a little strange on me and I'm going to learn my lesson now that I've done three. But for the next one, what I've done is the shoulder piece is pretty angled and so I, and it, it kind of sits up high on me. And right. so for the front and the back, I'm I'm taking, I'm keeping the shoulder because it it meets right up at the actual shoulder point where my arm meets my body. (laughs) That hinge, it meets right up there. But when it comes up to my neck part is where it gets bit, you know, comes out. So I'm going to keep the point at my shoulder hinge. And then I'm going to, I've made a line at the neck part down a half an inch and I drew it diagonal from there. So it's time. In the end, when you put the front and back together, because I did on the back as well, it'll take a triangle out that at the top point is one inch. Right, right, right. No, I I understand what you're saying. I think that seems reasonable. I I hope it's not too much, but it really, it really is kind of a pie on me. So I haven't experienced enough of their patterns to have any specific adjustments I make for them yet. 
but I, but I like the designs. They feel really fresh to me. And me too. I don't even think I know what I need. That we yeah. both love them so much and we have such different styles, <laughs> right? I do. But they're very modern, but with also this kind of, there's kind of this classic vibe to them too. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but I don't know. Really into fiber yeah. right now. I, I like them very much. I agree completely. So what's this month's theme? I wonder if people have guessed what the theme is because we do have a theme song. We do. And it's a very good theme song. Yeah. I spent so much time in my dorm room listening to this song when I was a young, young person. Yeah. So the theme song, of course, is People Are People by Depeche Mode. And our theme this month is representation. And so this month, we have a different kind of theme because it's not just for one month. That's true. We're going to extend our challenge to be a three-month challenge. We're going to make a summer challenge for June, July, and August. So representation matters. And this month, we really want to focus on that because there are a lot of people who are underrepresented in pattern advertising. And as we talked about sort of at the top, what I touched on, what I mentioned Jess at Fat Bob and Girl touched on, is that sometimes when you're out looking at the sewing community, which is trying to be welcoming to a variety of people, you end up actually feeling really left out. Because you go and you look for that pattern and discover it ends at a 46 inch hip. And so it's not for you. Or you go off and look at a brand that you've heard great things about, but you view their Instagram and there, there aren't any black models. And that's, that's how you would be able to identify yourself in their feed, right? Or there aren't any models over 50. And it leaves you wondering, is that, is that mini dress really for me? Because I, I can't see it on myself in the advertising. How, how am I supposed to reach for that? if I can't see it. And of course, many people do reach for it without seeing that representation, but they shouldn't have to. It should be an easier journey. You should be able to be a person who isn't the sort of standard sewing model, thinner, wider, younger, and you should still be able to imagine yourself in the garments using that sewing machine, sitting in front of that amazing sewing cabinet, using the pattern, the fabrics, etc. But that is the ongoing struggle, right? And different people see it in different places. So for example, um, one complaint that I often hear is from um, fat people who are not hourglass shaped, finding a pattern that represents an apple shape or a blocky shape or a straight shape is a lot harder where the where the model represents that figure. Finding a uh, fat model with an A cup instead of a quadruple D cup, a lot harder to find. Mm-hmm. And, and it makes it harder to get into what is a glorious life-affirming hobby if you can't see that. Yeah, that's, that's exactly true. So let's start with our hashtag. What's our hashtag, Beverly? Our hashtag this month is PF represent. And that'll be good to use from June through August. Yes. You can use that hashtag. The reason we chose to do this for three months is we had asked for some suggestions from the community. We received a great suggestion from our request for theme ideas. Joe, who's socially introverted on Instagram, and we will link her in the show notes, suggested to us that we have a longer than one month theme. So because oftentimes Joe is unable to complete 
a project within one month and would like extra time. And we thought that was a fantastic idea. And especially for our theme of representation, this gives people three months to add projects and highlight patterns that use underrepresented models. Absolutely. And we will be introducing new themes for July and August as well. So there will be sub-themes that are also a part of this challenge so that we can continue to give out amazing prizes each and every month. So uh, don't, don't worry. There will still continue to be monthly prizes. It's just that the theme of representation will extend for the entire summer. Um, it should honestly be a lifetime theme, but, uh, but we'll go ahead and, and limit ourselves here for the challenge to the summer. And one more thing that we wanted to mention also is that, of course, if you're unable to make something in a particular month, but you have something that you've already made that applies to the theme, please feel free to use that because we would love to see that, that representation, even if it's something you did prior to this. Absolutely. And certainly uh, for our PF Glam Month, we highlighted some sewists who had done exactly that. So definitely share those and give us an opportunity to celebrate where you have had past makes that meet the qualifications. That's amazing. So when we talk about why representation is so important, um, I, I expect both Beverly and I have personalized experiences to share with that. For example, you're, you're a scientist and representation of women in STEM areas is absolutely critical and something there was definitely less of when you started school for it. Right. Actually, when I started school, when I was, you know, I never actually considered being a scientist before. It seemed like besides something that you had to be a man for, it also seemed like something that you had to, like your dad had to be a scientist or something. I don't know, like a farmer, you know, it didn't seem like you could just <laughs> jump into that. But now when you go into graduate schools, you see that over 50% of the students are women and that many of the professors are women. And that really does show people it can be done. And there's a lot of effort right now happening at my job, which is through the NIH, to increase the uh, representation of all different groups at all levels. And this is the, it's important for our jobs, but it's important in our hobbies too. We want to feel included and um, like we, it's where we can see ourselves there. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, it's definitely critical. And I know there have been some movements that we've talked about in previous episodes where, for example, Black Sewists put a lot of effort into trying to get the big four pattern companies to understand that representing them in patterns that are in the stores and more accessible to people is important because Black Sewists are an amazing group of sewists. And having that lack of representation makes it harder for new sewists to see themselves becoming a part of the community. It's, um, uh, it's good to see some change there for sure. And also our episode with Terrence Williams, where he got Joanne Fabrics to add more representation in models in their advertising, as well as internal changes to encourage diversity and inclusive diversity, yes. inclusivity efforts. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so when you think about the sewists that you follow on Instagram, my hope is as you pause right now, don't literally pause, we're super interesting and you want to hear us. But as you stop to think about who you follow, I would hope that you have a lot of representation seen there that you see 
white psoas, some black psoas, some persons of color, male and female, over 50 and under 50, over 60, over 70, uh, that you see folks in wheelchairs and folks who are um, have other disabilities that impact particularly their sewing, but just anywhere in their life. I'm hard of hearing, and you would think that would have relatively little impact on sewing, but you know what's harder to manage? YouTube tutorials. If the sounds aren't good, if the words are on the screen, but they block a part of what it is you're trying to see demonstrated and so on, it it has an impact. Having conversations in groups of sewists can be harder. There are visual impairments that make it harder to tape together or identify the colors for grading on patterns so that the dotted lines all by themselves, the changes in the dots can be a thing that adds accessibility. And pattern companies that choose to use shading on their patterns can minimize the ability to see contrasts when you're taping together or cutting those out. So there are some things there that are definitely impactful. If you have if you have hands that regularly shake, it can make it harder to use tissue patterns versus stiffer patterns versus using a projector. And so there's a lot of different ways you may be able to, to represent com- accommodation as well. But that's a, that's a big part of it. Fat sewists are obviously an underrepresented group and, and fat sewists get super complicated. Because you know what? There isn't one kind of fat sewist. You've got sewists on the the bottom end of it that are normally referred to as small fats. And then you've got the mid fat, super fat, infinifat, and then death fats, which aren't always listed. And those are different classifications based on your body size. And there's obviously more representation for small fats than there is for infinifat, which is considered to be a size... 6x or 34 or larger. So you're getting into that 70 inch hip plus group. And I'm seeing more representation by fat models. I'm not seeing a lot more representation by fat models on the extreme end of it. Hmm. And it matters. So that's another place. We're going to link an article uh, on small fat fragility, (laughs) which really talks about the fact that often when you talk about the way that fats fat bodies can be classified or divided from each other, that people on the smaller end of the spectrum can feel as if they are being excluded when what's really trying to happen is to make space for the people with larger bodies who have different issues to be seen, to be heard, to be identified, and to to have those issues addressed. Uh, A body my size goes through the world with different problems than a body that's another 10 inches wider than my body. And I have, I have a harder time of it than someone who's in the small fat group. It's just living in the world is harder for me than it is for someone who's a 16, 18. Right. And it's important to remember and recognize that. And of course, intersectionality. Can you explain this one so that I don't mess it up because I (laughs) understand it? Well, (laughs) I mean, I think that the simple version of intersectionality is that just because someone is disabled doesn't mean they're white and disabled. They don't just have one thing. They could be black and disabled. They could be black and non-binary and disabled. They could be black, binary, wait, black, (laughs) non-binary, disabled, and fat. You know, they could be all of these things. And so, you know, one of the things when I was reading about this, first of all, I noticed that disabled people seem to be the most underrepresented in patterns pictures. I, I couldn't, I could only see a few people who were disabled in 
in pattern photos, but all of them were white. I didn't see any black people or I was reading and there was an article that I found that talked about why is all of the disabled representation white people. And so that's that's another issue in and of itself. Well, yeah. And it's important to try and find those places again where you can see yourself represented because people come in all flavors you'd be looking for all flavors of representation. And that's important. And this is a really great moment for us to mention that as we go through um, our PF represent challenge period, the three months, we're hoping to highlight patterns that have that diverse representation in models or in designers or in other ways and highlight those on our, our Instagram page. And we're hoping you'll share with us those that we haven't seen because Because the truth is, Beverly and I will both have designers we're accustomed to and some designers we find through various searches. But I know for me, I get into, I will not describe it as a rut because I adore the designers that I tend to use over and over again. Comfort zone. It's it's a comfort zone. It's something where I already know they see my body Mm -hmm. and that they accept my body and that I can sew from their patterns. But that also means there's a wide body of work out there for patterns that I'm unaware of. Exactly. And that I may be nervous about even seeking out because it's really exhausting to not see yourself over and over and over again when you go and look. There are lists that have been put together of patterns that are above a 50-inch hip, above a 60-inch hip, above a 70-inch hip, and above an 80-inch hip. And when you're at that 80-inch hip, you've got like five pattern companies. And then you've got 10 for above a 70-inch hip. And then when you get down to the 60-inch hip, which includes my size, finally, there, you're probably at about 20, 22 pattern companies. Below that, you're effectively at infinity. There... (laughs) There, once you're below 50 inches, there, there just isn't a pattern company you can't use generally. I know Muna and Broad stops at a point, but it, it gets, there, there's so much more opportunity there that, that it can be really exhausting to go out and find those new companies. Well, an interesting thing too there is, of course, when you talk about representation in models who are, you know, super fat. For example, if the pattern company doesn't make a pattern that fits them, they're That's not right. going to be the model. That's um, absolutely true. So it works that's- both ways. Like, and there's so that's the reason why if you don't see a model that's around your size, you may think they don't. Maybe make they don't size. make it for me. Yeah, and uh, and I think that the same thing ends up being true in other spaces. You can make the argument that any garment can be worn by a person of any shade or race or. Um, gender identity for that matter. But if you can't picture yourself in it, if no one has taken the time to say, actually, I made this for you. This was designed when I did this, I thought of you. And that's what that representation really means is when I designed this, I was thinking of you, whatever that you looks like. And you can often see that in the pictures. For me, that is the thing that, that turns me off when I see an Instagram feed, if I notice uh, that one of the first and most obvious things for me is everyone's white. That That's a real quick and easy, <laughs> easy view. You flip up two or three times and you're like, nope, not for me. This isn't a company that's interested in finding ways to represent their patterns on diverse bodies. I'm done. And that's a, that's a thing I do. And that takes us back to that allyship concept, the idea mm-hmm. that if you take your dollars and give them to companies that are more representative, you you benefit 
representation. You make it more possible for that representation to continue. And it helps to be vocal about it. Spending your money that way is most effective when you tell the company that isn't diverse, hey, you know what? Love what you're doing, but oh my gosh, I can't imagine why you're not representing disabled models. I can't imagine why you don't have any non-binary models, Um, but it makes me not want to shop with you. So there's there's two things that um, these having representation in the models does. Number one, it shows who they think is important, right? Who mm-hmm. they expect to sell this to, or who they care about being able to see themselves in these patterns, right? It says something about the, the intention of the company, but it also says something about what needs have been thought of. So, for example. Yeah. When there's a pattern that shows somebody in a wheelchair, uh, there's more of a chance that the designer considered things that may be important to someone who's in a wheelchair, whether they put those in the pattern or put notes in the pattern to help people out. When you see someone who's non-binary, maybe the pattern company has addressed the specific needs of non-binary people. I think those two things are really, really important in representation. They absolutely are. And I'm really excited to learn about new companies that exhibit or display that kind of representation. I'm, I'm very hopeful that our, our listeners are really able to help broaden our horizons as well as each other's as we go through these next three months, because I, I feel like I get into a place where I just keep making the same things. My 30 plus trillium dresses by made by Ray are a great example of this. And I would like to, I would like to do better at making things from a wider variety of designers. I'd like to support that, even if I do sometimes feel that I get burnt when I go out and look and am disappointed so often. So that'll be really neat. So I think that we had, we had listed several patterns that have models. Well, one of them I am going to talk about. Okay. The, the rest of them, I think we're going to save because we, a lot of them are from our favorite companies, right? They're, they're companies yep. that we, that we represent. And I'd rather hear from other listeners first, other part, members of our community first that tell us, you know, what, uh, patterns that they've seen with good representation of models, but there is one that I am going to bring up the paprika patterns, <laughs> Nautilus bikini. <laughs> so I, uh, obviously I'm down for this one. Um, this, <laughs> this one has a max 62 inch high hip. Um, I did size down by two sizes for this one. So practically speaking, if a 61 is sizing down two sizes from the 62 max, it probably works for a body that's larger in swimsuit fabric because of the, the amount of stretch and return. Um, it is an amazing, uh, amazing pattern. I was fortunate enough to be chosen to represent as both fat and over 50, um, which is where my intersectionality works yeah. here. It is, uh, it is a, a delightful pattern that was a lot of fun to be able to do to be able to do this with, because you definitely don't see at any age, a lot of bikini pattern models. Yeah. That is, that is not a common thing. So it was, it was really quite exciting to be a part of that. And I know at the same time that this pattern released, Paprika released two other patterns. One was for a handbag and the other was for a shirt. And I know that shirt pattern had a fat black model as, as the model for that garment as well. So I know that the, um, the woman who helped update the drafting on these was committed to finding some diversity that she could bring to the modeling. So that was really neat. 
Well, I also, I don't know if you know this, but if you go to the Paprika website, the front page of the website you're on. No, I didn't know that. Of course I didn't know that. (laughs) You are, you are front page of that website. So that is uh, because I am adorable. Let's be honest. It is true. And Um, I will tell you, these are not retouched photos. So there is a lot of stretch mark going on and I earned all of them. (laughs) Um, Now that's one thing we especially want people to tell us about pattern companies where when you go to the website and you look at the pattern before clicking in and finding the last photo that they have, the first yeah. photo they have, I mean, we're not saying that's a requirement for the, the challenge. We're just saying we are especially interested in patterns that have chosen for the sort of representative model that shows up on the website when you look through their patterns as somebody who's underrepresented. Absolutely. It's again, as you were mentioning with the, the two things you really learn by who you choose to represent your pattern, your, your brand, your image, it tells you something about what that designer may value. And um, if you value diversity, seeing that diversity prominently displayed on the website is another way you can identify that this is a company that values the same thing that you do. So that's, that's pretty exciting. I did want to take a moment. The last podcast that we broadcast, I mentioned um, my mother who uses a wheelchair. And I used the language that, that I grew up with, that my mother was wheelchair bound. And I received several DMs from very kind listeners who let me know that that language is out of date. It's not appropriate any longer. And so I Wanted to thank folks for calling me out on that. My mother uses a wheelchair regularly. She is not bound to or by one. So thank you for that that gentle correction. I will do better now that I know better. So this month, we will have two guests coming. We've got plans to speak to a pattern designer whose images show a strong support for, for diverse representation. We're very excited about that. That'll be at the end of the month. Um, So you can look forward to that. That's right. And we also have someone coming to talk to us from So Over 50. (gasps) Yay. I love the hashtag. Yeah. I'm, (laughs) I'm, I'm so encouraged by it. And what I really enjoy, and this is the weirdest thing, is I'll see people using the tag who are like, I'll be 50 in a week. And then I get to be So Over 50. And so it's actually become a thing that you look forward to as you're shooting through your forties. <laughs> yeah, like 21, right? You can use so over 50. <laughs> it's a hundred percent like that. I'm worried at how excited I am by so over 60, but <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. It's totally a hashtag. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I don't know that it has the amazing amount of energy behind it as uh, the so over 50 tag has and whether it's quite as coordinated, but I have caught that hashtag a few times and and dove in. So um, it's a thing to look forward to in, oh my gosh, my birthday's tomorrow. So that'll make it seven years, seven years. I get to be so over 50. Oh, so you're turning 53 tomorrow. (laughs) Yes. That is my belief. Happy birthday. (laughs) Why? Thank you. (laughs) But it's, but it's one of those things to look forward to, right? Because yeah. It'll be awesome. So yes, cool. So this has been a weird episode for us. We haven't really shared as many patterns as we might normally. And that's mostly because we're looking for our listeners to provide us with some additional suggestions as well. Um, Is there anything else you think we wanted to cover? I think that's it. (gasps) 
exciting. Um, it's been a delight, of course, to get to chat with you again. And we will see, see you, you next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> oh my God, that sounded like it was right on. <laughs> if it is, you have to use it. <laughs> <laughs> Punk Frackers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frackers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art.